Hello, divers. Coming to you from Studio D, this is the Deep Dive Microcast, a brief look into things I find interesting, and I hope you do too. I'm Tom Feeney, raconteur, minor league pickleball mascot, and writer for Wang's Chop Movie Magazine. In this edition of the Deep Dive Microcast, we dive into the history of one of Hollywood's most tried and true tropes. It's the end of the world as we know it, and I feel, you know. On January 24th, 2023, the Bulletin of the Atomic Scientists, a group founded by Albert Einstein in 1945, edged its so-called doomsday clock forward to 90 seconds to midnight. That signifies, according to the organization, that we are closer to having a global catastrophe than ever. They cite the war in Ukraine, long-range missile testing in North Korea, China's expansion of its nuclear arsenal, and the continuing threat of climate change as their reasons. Now, whether you believe that or not, there have been predictions and scenarios for our planet's demise since, well, since people were able to conceive of such a thing. The ancient Maya civilization managed to cause a bit of a stir recently with the supposed prediction of the world's end in 2012. Uh, upon closer examination, however, the Mayans never actually outright stated the world would end in 2012, but that didn't stop people from losing their collective minds about it. Or prevent Hollywood from capitalizing on it as well. The Mayan calendar predicts the end of time to occur in 2012. It's starting. It's the apocalypse. The Mayans knew about it. Today, we are one family. Hang on! Look at me, do I look scared? <laughs> Holy... It's not just California. It's the whole world. And 12, PG-13, November 13th. As we all know by now, 2012 came and went without a global apocalypse. Although the movie 2012 could be considered something of a disaster itself, uh, given its 39% approval rating on RottenTomatoes.com. But whether it's nuclear, ecological, seismological, bacterial, meteorological, or just illogical, End of the world movies deal with the planet Earth's total demise and or the annihilation of its most important inhabitants. Dolphins, I mean humans, humans. From the biblical rapture to the overhyped Y2K to the inevitable robot uprising, mankind's obsession with its ultimate end has of course worked its way from book to stage to screen. And speaking of screens, if we are talking about end of the world movies, let's take a look at what most film historians consider the very first. It's the 1916 Danish film titled appropriately enough, The End of the World. Now you may be asking yourself, 
They make movies in Denmark? Why, yes, they do. And they have been doing so since the latter years of the 19th century, which means the Danish film industry had been around nearly 20 years when The End of the World was produced. Here's a clip from the film. Just kidding, it's a silent film. There are no clips, silly. You'll have to just settle for my poor description. An astronomer discovers that a comet is hurtling towards Earth. It's certain to cause all kinds of devastation to the planet. Of course, this causes worldwide panic. Meanwhile, a greedy stockbroker named Frank has a plan to corner the market by purchasing massive amounts of stock after the market crashes. He then buys a major newspaper and uses it to deny that the comet is a threat. He sells all the stock he bought on the cheap and makes a huge profit. Now, I'm not sure how all that's supposed to work since money won't mean a damn thing if the world ends. But, you know, another smart decision. Frank decides to actually hold an end-of-the-world party for his fancy rich friends and um, it doesn't end well both for Frank and, uh, ultimately, for humanity. Although, the ending does kind of offer a glimmer of hope for the future. Most film historians attribute the relatively downbeat nature of the film to the fact that, uh, at the time, much of the planet was embroiled in World War I. Now, if you recall your history, and I didn't, I had to look it up, Denmark declared itself neutral during the Great War and maintained trade with both sides during the conflict, and it emerged relatively unscathed. Thankfully, the 77-minute film has been preserved by the Danish Film Institute and is not among the countless silent films that have either deteriorated beyond repair or have otherwise gone missing. The End of the World can be seen for free in its entirety on YouTube. And while The End of the World may have been the first such film of its kind, it was by no means the last. Audience's fascination with The End of All Things continued. After two world wars, the Cold War with the Soviet Union began ushering a new era of paranoia and fear as the real specter of nuclear annihilation loomed over the world. Now, there really was an imminent threat to the planet, a man-made threat. In the 1950s, the apocalypse seemed closer than ever, and yes, the movies reflected this fear. Atomic insects, radioactive mutants, and other science-made monsters flooded local drive-ins. But the first of these films came in 1951. An obscure, low-budget, but highly atmospheric movie about a world devastated by a nuclear holocaust. For all intents and purposes, I said purposes, not porpoises. It seems that all humanity has been eradicated, except for a tiny group of survivors. Five of them. I woke up. 
was all over. I was the only one alive. In all New York, the only one alive. Roseanne, what about us? I'm not quite satisfied with this return to nature of yours. Not when the cities are open waiting for treasure chest. Everything in the world is there for us, everything for the taking. Michael, I want to tell you something. Why did you do it? Why did I do what? Get out, get out now. In my own time. Couldn't we go back now? You little fool, I got you away. You don't think I'm going to take you back. The movie Five is one of those moody, claustrophobic movies where a somewhat diverse group, including an African-American man and a neo-Nazi, who believe they are the last humans left alive on Earth. How do they come to this conclusion? Very poorly. Um, you know, there's a great argument here about why anecdotal evidence is really unreliable. What you have in this film is, unsurprisingly, five strangers slash survivors who find themselves at a remote house somewhere in the hills. The only woman in the group, Roseanne, is pregnant. There's also an elderly man who doesn't seem to fully grasp what's going on. There's the aforementioned African-American and the racist neo-Nazi. And the final five is Michael, who may or may not become a love interest for Roseanne. The movie itself is deadly serious in tackling its subject matter. There's very little action or special effects here. Uh, it's very much like a stage play or a radio drama. And that's not surprising when you discover the movie was written, produced, and directed by a man named Arch Oboler who got his start writing radio plays. So, as you can imagine, the film is driven by the dialogue. It's certainly melodramatic, to say the least, but also very effective. And for its time, very dark. There are no happy endings here. If you like, you can rent five on most of the major streaming services like Apple TV, Prime Video, and Vudu. The prices range from... $2.99 to $3.99. Now, Five may have been the first end-of-the-world film of the 1950s, but it was by no means the last. That honor goes to a movie that was released on December 17, 1959. It had an all-star cast, including Gregory Peck, Ava Gardner, Anthony Perkins, and Fred Astaire. Flash! Motion picture history is made as Stanley Kramer's production of On the Beach opens all over the world in unprecedented six-continent premieres and meets with unprecedented success as critics everywhere hail it as a motion picture milestone. Look, they pushed us too far. They didn't think we'd fight no matter what they did. And they were wrong. We fought... We expunged them. We didn't do such a bad job on ourselves. We're all doomed, you know. The whole silly, drunken, pathetic lot of us. We haven't got a chance. 
I won't have it, Julian. I won't. There is hope. There has to be hope. There's always hope. I take it you put me to bed. I arrived at that by the Dutch, and I asked Pete and Mary, and uh, they didn't. Uh, I'm, I'm afraid I was a bit of a mess. Drank too much brandy. Passed out. Yes, I've been drinking quite a bit recently. That's no big secret. But, you know, I... Well, I've, I've never had it happen quite like that before. My obvious job was to seduce you. So I suppose my pride is hit. I ought to feel ashamed. On the Beach was directed by the great Stanley Kramer, who also helmed classics like Guess Who's Coming to Dinner, Judgment at Nuremberg, and its polar opposite, It's a Mad, 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 Mad World. In the film, World War III has pretty much ended all life in the Northern Hemisphere. The radiation left behind, however, it's making its way inexorably south. A U.S. Navy submarine arrives in Melbourne, Australia, carrying some of the only surviving Americans left. Eventually, the sub's crew plans to return north to see if the radiation levels are dropping and to investigate a mysterious Morse code signal coming from the U.S. West Coast. Now, no spoilers here, even though it's a 63-year-old movie, but let's just say the ending is even more of a downer than 5 was. But hey... If you're into that kind of thing, you can watch On the Beach for free on YouTube as of this recording. Now, in between these two films, the 1950s gave us such world-ending classics as The Day the Earth Stood Still, When Worlds Collide, and The Day the World Ended, just to name a few. But of course, it didn't stop there. As long as the Cold War raged on, the imminent threat of nuclear devastation provided plenty of fodder for movies and TV to plunder. The 1960s provided some more fantastic and even humorous looks at the apocalypse with films like Planet of the Apes and Dr. Strangelove. The 70s ecological movement was the inspiration for films like Silent Running, Soylent Green, and yes, everybody's favorite killer bunny rabbit movie, Night of the Lepus. What happened? That night science made its greatest mistake. What unknown terror was born that night? What is the terrifying mutant that strikes from behind the shroud of night? That night. That night of the Lepus. A night of total terror. More shattering than your strangest nightmare. What caused the unnatural death 
destruction and panic. That night of Olympus, Janet Lee, Stuart Whitman, Rory Calhoun, and Paul Fix. Night of the Olympus, kill one, and thousands take their place. What? Devil creatures growing weight and size every day are hidden behind the eyes of horror. What can stop them? Night of the Lepus from MGM. Since then, with the advent of sophisticated and realistic special effects, filmmakers could go completely nuts with their depictions of the end of the world. And they did. In some cases, maybe they shouldn't have. This is how we got the craptacular Michael Bay monstrosity Armageddon. I stand by my opinion. I dare you to change my mind. In more recent years, humanity got its own too-close-for-comfort taste of what a global apocalypse could look like with the recent COVID-19 pandemic. Watching actual news footage of empty cities with wild animals roaming around hit a little too close to the kinds of images we were used to watching on a big screen. However, as long as we are capable of realizing our worst fears in our popular entertainment, it will keep us awake and aware enough, hopefully, from bringing them into the real world. Thanks for listening. If this is the first time you've heard this podcast, check out our past episodes and subscribe so you don't miss a single one. And we want to hear from you. Drop us a line at thedeepdivepodcast@gmail.com or on our Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter feeds. You can find links to all of those and our merchandise store in the bio of our Instagram page. From all of us here at Studio D, which again is just me and my cat, Stay safe and take care. All clips used in the Deep Dive microcast are meant for educational purposes only and not to infringe on existing copyrights. The Deep Dive Lounge theme was arranged and performed by Robert Acorn based on the original composition by Ryan Blaney. The Deep Dive microcast is a production of Automaton Studios. <laughs>